Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 92. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and with me this time around... I'm Chris Gardner. And I'm David Hallett. Great to have both of you guys here. Nice to have uh, have the Waikato Times uh, represented again on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thank you for the invite. It's great to be here. And thank you for uh, for travelling uh, travelling up to uh, to join us. It was a pretty good trip. I was surprised there was something north of the Bombay Hills. We will leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> um, before we start getting into um, hmm, making fun of different parts of the country, yeah, no need. Uh, there is always um, always something uh, that we can, um, yeah, a place we can go there. But we won't uh, on this occasion uh, because uh, there's so much tech stuff to chat about. So let's jump in. Uh, the first thing uh, on the agenda is that uh, Nissan have been uh, previewing off uh, their first uh, self-drive car. Now this looked quite interesting. We were having a look at the YouTube earlier and it seems like uh, the the focus of this one at this stage is around doing the parking for you. So you turn up at a car park and you jump out of your car and you wander off to do your business and the car, you know, Finds a car parking spot and uh, and slides itself in. I thought well, that's quite, that's kind of fun. I liked it was it was interesting how the guy said that the uh, map comes from the cloud, which I guess you know I'm assuming these have to be pre-mapped the park car parks. Yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? How it will know that all the right positioning and and so on, uh, and you know, covered car park and everyone could be a little bit different. Maybe the layout of it's changed a little bit since uh, since that was updated. So. I mean, th- th- there's a lot of technology really to work out to enable cars to do the sorts of things that we do intuitively or that we've had a small accident with to learn. Uh, you know, you don't really want your car sort of, you mm. know, running over or partially running over, um, you know, somebody in the street as part of its learning process. So the legal side of it fascinates me, really. I mean, you know, what if it does have a prang while it's uh, doing its thing when you're nowhere in sight? I mean, who's responsible well, I'd I'd uh, I'd be pointing the finger at Nissan to start with, and Nissan will be pointing the finger at the robot and saying, uh, "Lock them up, mm. throw them in jail." It's uh, it's the robot. Mm. I was going to say it's not a foreign concept though to 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 leave your car and have it self parked or parked on your behalf. I think when I was in Europe, you know, leaving your car and having it go into one of those stackers is is not a foreign concept. So the idea of leaving your car to self park is perhaps not not so weird. You pay quite a premium for it, though, right? We're not expecting these cars, you know, certainly... I guess it's the same. Any new technology, right? There's a, there's a premium you pay. Uh, but, you know, there's a certain uh, point where, where that would be uh, that'd be pretty handy. And you'd think mm. the people with that kind of money, they would have a valet already, wouldn't they? Have their own one. <laughs> their own driver. Well, this is a car from Nissan, so it's not likely to be a million-dollar uh, car, David. That's but, true. It's uh, not an Aston yeah. Martin either, is it? <laughs> I, I was quite um, interested in the numbers on the side of it. Was it NSC something? Um, uh, 2015. So they were talking, mm. you know, the, uh, indicating maybe it's, it's, yeah, it wasn't, it's that three years or so away. But it wasn't NCC. No, okay. Now, also... Coming up in the future, now we, we tried out one of um, Honda's um, sort of semi-hybrids uh, a few weeks ago. They've just uh, shown off uh, a 2014 um, hybrid, and this is a plug-in hybrid, so quite different to the technology we looked at. This is sort of the, the, the full-style 
um, you know, hybrid that can run uh, run in, you know entirely off uh, off batteries. Whereas mm. the one we were looking at used the battery uh, to assist at you know at certain times, uh, you know, such as taking off at the lights and 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 so on, and to just give you a bit more a bit more of a boost. But uh, with a you know plug-in hybrid. Yeah, you know, effectively you can run without your petrol uh, petrol engine. Although that said, I mean, I drive a, um, a Honda Civic Hybrid, and you do get battery only power um, below about fifty kilometres an hour. So it, it's great if you're going slowly or looking for parks or driving around. But as soon as you start to do any sort of um, decent driving, of course, the combustion engine kicks back in. Hmm. Mm. Okay. But this is a big change, really, sure from is. the technology where they are at the moment, which is very. Yeah, much sort of, I guess, simpler uh, type of technology, uh, you know, than what we see in some of the other vehicles. So this is their real step right in, boots and all. Now, I know that my Mercury Energy was doing some promotion where you could actually um, get power off peak for, for um, plug-in cars mm. in New Zealand mm. as well. So it looks like the power companies, obviously, or the, the, you know, the retail power companies are promoting this idea of plug-in and rechargeable cars as well. Well, it generates more business for them, doesn't it? Sure. I guess the you know, question is that you know, there's, there have been some of these things. I remember a hotel I stayed at in, in Christchurch uh, some years ago, certainly you know, a period before, um, before the earthquakes. Um, it's a hotel so down there that had you know, one of their things was uh, that you could plug in if you had a had a uh, electric vehicle there was free charging right now, i'm not quite sure how that worked because how many electric vehicles were there on the road in new zealand at the time you know etc etc and different electric vehicles have different types of uh, charging so uh you know i think it was a bit of a marketing uh, uh yeah. gimmick um as was the whole hotel actually <laughs> the, the smallest rooms you've ever seen it, but, was, uh, it was a clever a clever setup though wasn't it yeah yeah you sure would have a real issue in winter though if it really took off and everybody had them because you know at the moment we sometimes face cold showers because we don't have the power to um you know to, to keep everything warm and and heated during the winter so imagine if, if you added extra load of of, of one or two or even three vehicles per household into the grid. Well, that's, that's, um, that's a wonderful opportunity. In New Zealand, our, um, our electricity grid has actually had a constant demand um, for the past decade, so there's been no increase in energy demands. Mm. So it would be a good opportunity. It would create a business case for um, the system operator to um, approve or suggest the creation of new um, generational facilities in New Zealand. In fact, yeah. there would be business cases for new... So would this be yeah. good for the guys that are uh, digging up coal, would it, David? It would be, it'd be a great opportunity for them. So. That's, it, that's excellent to hear. Yeah, There is uh, actually quite a lot of resource consents in for extra power generation across New Zealand, and it's just sat there waiting for people to, um, for demand to grow, basically. Well, certainly so. you've, you've got um, all the wind farms, of course, that are approved mm. in the middle of the North Island, Taharoa yep. and those places, or Taharoa, so... Well, it's good to see we've got a lot of uh, renewable energy in, in New Zealand and, you know, making use of uh, hydroelectric and, and so on as well. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, in, in that sort of case, you know, there's there's some positive uh, impact sort of, you know, energy-wise, certainly in the New Zealand market with, with moving to plug-in and other parts of the world. They'll uh, be burning more coal, right? Yeah, yeah potentially, it, uh, you know, more pollution and, you know, uh, greenhouse, greenhouse gases and the like. So, um, yeah, interesting times. Now, one thing which is uh, local news, which which I've found uh, quite pleasing to hear about, actually, is uh, Telecom have announced some new um, new internet plans, and uh, you can customise these. You can go online and uh, and and have a look. Uh, but the big coup is there's a half terabyte plan or 500 gigabyte plan 
uh, internet and phone line for uh, inside the main centres, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, for $119. What do you guys think about this? I could never imagine getting through that much data. I mean, you'd have to be sat in front of your machine 24-7 doing all sorts of things to, to chew through that. But looking at it, the price, that's a pretty amazing price. And on the face of it, it sounds really good. But but uh, David and I were discussing this on the way out. Well, I mean, I was imagining, you know, if, if you're log shipping, say, database backups, it's a great business plan. Um, and, of course, having a static IP address means that you can set yourself up as a trusted um, log shipper as well. So, I mean, 500 gigs is very, very competitive. Yeah, so from a business perspective, these sort of bigger plans are useful, but this is a residential sure. a residential plan. Exactly. Uh, and I guess we're, see, we're, you know, we're seeing more of that. I don't know that Telecom has any big plans like this for their business customers, interestingly enough, on ADSL. Uh, when you start using that amount, you get some pretty big uh, bills as a business customer, but... Uh, certainly, from a, a residential perspective, you know what I found uh, with the ultra-fast uh, broadband was having a big data cap actually becomes really important. You know, once you've got that higher speed, then you can watch videos in high def on a big TV, looks great, and you mm-hmm. take a, you take advantage of that uh, that sort of you know speed. So, you know, no doubt what we're seeing here is going to flow across as well once telecom. Uh, you know, off, have uh, a retail offering around ultra-fast broadband. So mm. I think this is pretty, you know, pretty positive, uh, you know, generally because we've had that, you know, I guess there's been that frustration here in New Zealand. It's so expensive to get big chunks of data, but we're now seeing uh, more and more. Sure. I mean, the other thing to consider is <clears throat> the uh, connections from ultra-fast. Currently, you're seeing a lot of people offering 30 meg, 30 meg or 30 meg symmetrical connections. With ADSL2 and some of the main sensors, you're looking above, you know, in the 20s as far as data rates go as well. So, you know, 500 or, you know, half a terabyte or 500 gig is quite um, equitable when you compare, you know, an ADSL2 connection to a, a UFB 30 meg symmetrical connection. Mm, mm. Yeah, certainly from that download, uh, you know, perspective, it's not necessarily a huge difference. And of course, uh, you know, we've got some of the smaller providers uh, in New Zealand that offer um, VDSL technology. And that's kind of that halfway point b- between the, the, you know, the ADSL we have today in terms of performance and the ultra-fast broadband that, you know, in most cases is, is still coming to, uh, to customers. Mm. So, yeah, it's nice to have that, that, uh, yeah, that, other, that other option with, with VDSL. Um, now, we should mention also that there are a number of, uh, of companies now offering you know, other things such as unlimited plans. We've got Orcon. There's there's one or two others, aren't there, um, David, that are doing unlimited uh, plans. We were chatting about one of them earlier. That's right. There's Lightwire and the cloud. So a few RSPs yep. that are offering unlimited mm, plans. Mm. So we're seeing a, you know, a little bit of those unlimited uh, plans. But, uh, you know, I think as, um, as Chris was saying, 500 gigs for you know for average sort of uh, user is actually is actually a pretty big chunk of uh, pretty big chunk of data. I don't know what I'd do with it. I really don't. Um, well, first of all, you've got to have a, I guess you've got to have a pipe that's fast enough to pull that down. Yeah, exactly. So that's the first thing. Well, yep. And if if you've got a really fast pipe, I think uh, yeah, you you will get through more if you're streaming you know video over it constantly, watching TV and so on. I think what's more notable about this is the fact that the big telco in the country is is sort of almost drawing a line in the sand, waving a flag and setting a trend here well, because nobody else has made any announcements like this. And this is like, whoa, we've arrived. You know, we're just getting there. 
and and I think this is a good sign because Telecom uh, New Zealand used to sort of be seen as oh they're you know look they're they're holding on to their old customers they're not doing anything uh, innovative uh, they just want to make as much money out of customers as they can until their customers leave and go to you know other other networks but this is the sort of thing that. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, really helps their brand by saying, yeah, we are the biggest, but actually, you know, we're, we're willing to provide the best performance we possibly can, and they're always right up there in terms of uh, their rankings for mm. um, download speeds and so on. And, look, we're going to give you, a, you know, as, as big a chunk of, of data as, uh, as we possibly can for, for your money. If you want this amount of data, uh, we're going to give it to you at a, you know, at a reasonable sort of price. Was there any discussion in terms of what sort of contract or period they were talking with this? I couldn't see anything because the reason why I was intrigued is I've obviously run the numbers in relation to this and you realise it's a copper connection so it's just a POTS phone line, you know, or a plain old telephone and half a terabyte of data. This looks like the perfect gateway connection to convince you in a year's time perhaps to shift to a UFB connection with, with telecom as well. So it's a pretty cool play. Yeah, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a natural move for people that have signed up and want the, these big chunks of data to move across to the, the, the UFB or ultra-fast broadband when it becomes available in, in your area. You know, of course, for some people, you know, that's still a few years out. Uh, you know, in Waikato, you guys have had a lot, of, uh, a lot of the rollout done, certainly around the city and so on already, right? Uh, have you had any, uh, any feedback on that from, uh, you know, from people? Have you come across anyone using it? There's still very few customers connecting because the ISPs... are, are um, They're still limited, isn't it? And, limited, and I, and I yeah. guess you can, I mean... There's, there's the um, the situation, for instance, say Telecom are in. Uh, they've done the same with VDSL technology, right? I mean, Telecom Wholesale always, you know, b- before we saw Telecom and Chorus split into two companies, Telecom Wholesale was selling VDSL, but the retail arm of Telecom, you know, hadn't picked it up to provide, uh, you know, partly because it's a niche offering. There are some challenges around delivering it because you need mm. a, a much more expensive modem. Uh, and it was always going to be a bit of a you know a niche a niche audience, yeah. and, and uh, so that meant that never came to the market at all. Now, is VDSL a good offering? Well, yeah, it's great, really good performance. Uh, there's good reasons to do it. And we're seeing that similar thing with ultra fast broadband. Well, there's only a very small percentage of the country who've got it, so they're they're holding back a bit, right? Oh, well, yeah, sure. I mean, it, yeah. it became available in April for business customers, and um, about June for residential customers. And when I called up with uh, Lightwire and um, ultra-fast fibre that were rolling out sort of around about June time, there was only about a dozen people connected on both fronts. Um, and I can't get any updated numbers. I've asked, only recently I was sort of talking to, to all the telcos and, well, the big big ones anyway. Mm. Um, Telecom and, and Vodafone aren't connected to ultra-fast fibres um, infrastructure yet right and ultra fast fiber covers what region uh waikato bay of plenty yeah, taranaki Ta- taranaki yeah. um Fakatani way that's right bay of plenty yeah, bay as well plenty, yeah yeah right. so if you want to if you want to jump on board with their ultra fast broadband um you go with for instance orcon that's right um, you know they're, they're offering it so there are a number yeah. there are a number of options aren't and, there anecdotally it's interesting the people i've been speaking to are, are holding out because lots of these incumbents or companies so when i say incumbents in terms of you know the telecoms and vodafones who haven't got these offerings yet um people have their mobile contracts with these with these businesses and want to have some look at you know like a full service package 
So, you know, it would so seem... So they're, they're holding off and, until the big boys come to town. That's well, it's right. It's hard to well, know what you sign up for when you don't know what the competition's going to offer. No. I mean, no. you know, um, the other thing is a couple of business customers that have signed up in, in Hamilton, um, they, they've signed up um, for whatever reason, but they're not really using the full, um, full bandwidth mm. Um, mm. because the applications they've got don't need it. But... You know, the cost is pretty much the same as, as well, that's right. the, the nice, other options. That's the nice thing about that's it, nice right? Thing, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, Orcon have, have, have made a bit of... I mean, I think they're probably, uh, you know, they're starting to pick up a you know, reasonable number of customers in the in the areas that have it. Certainly, you know, from what I've seen around uh, around Auckland, they go and do these little mail drops and saying, hey, look, we'll hook you up for free. Uh, but ongoing, the price is going to be the same as your old ADSL connection. You know, why wouldn't you sign up? And it's a free install. Uh, at the at the moment, so uh, yeah, that's that's quite tempting. I I jumped on board with uh, with an Orcon connection, a uh, UFB connection, in addition to the uh, the Vodafone one that I was trialling, uh, simply because they were just willing to put that in for free, uh, you know, as well. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm envious. I'd love it at home, um, but where we live on, in one of the suburbs of Hamilton, well, none of the maps that are showing what the plan is has got us factored in yet so we're probably yeah. at least two years away yeah and, um, and i guess that's a hard bit is the waiting game if you know if it was here now for everyone we would all be uh uh enjoying it and appreciating it uh but i think there's a, there's that it gets a bit of stick because uh you know it's not broadly available yet the, the other irony is that areas where they have run fiber through now are areas that have been well serviced in the past for fiber Auckland CBD's had a great fibre loop. Hamilton CBD, of course, has had the Velocity Network. Well, here, here in Telstra. Auckland where they've rolled it out, they haven't actually gone for the CBD initially. Right. So okay. that's actually sort of sitting back. So we've got, uh, you know, other other areas, uh, you know, they've picked areas where they feel they'll get, you know, good adoption. They've gone for uh, uh, business industrial areas like uh, Avondale, uh, Albany, uh, and then, you know, Rimawera, uh, Greylin, Ponsonby, Hearn Bay, those sort of uh, areas where... You know they expect to get quite a strong uh, residential uptake. Sort of affluent suburbs, I guess. Yeah, I think that you know those, the, in those sort of areas, you've got people that you know probably uh, if it was going to cost more to get UFB, they're in a they're in a position where um, you know their rents or their you know their their property values are such that you know an extra few dollars for a, a faster internet connection isn't going to be a drama for them. Uh, but that looks as though it's going to become less of an issue anyway, you know, and, and the example from Orcon pricing things at the same level. So, mm. Yeah, I mean, there's really no reason why the prices should be um, different to, to, to the slower technologies, is there? Uh, I mean, it comes down to what, what they're paying to uh, to chorus for, you know, yeah. the un- the underlying connections and so on. But the, uh, These numbers um, are all public as well and, and have been set by Crown Fibre Holdings. So. Right. Well, I was going to say, we've sort of paid for it already in our, in our taxes, when you think about it. Well, certainly we've paid for the RBI because, you know, the Rural Broadband Initiative was mm. effectively a grant, whereas when you look at um, ultra-fast broadband, it was more of a loan that the government's made. So the only way they're going to recoup them is from people, you know, recoup their money is from people signing yeah. up. All right, now um, other. Um, oh, by the way, are either of you going to jump on board with this five hundred gig um, plan? Are you in a position to uh, to do so? Do you get a fast enough connection? Do you, you know what type of um, connection do you do you have, David? You're a bit out in the country, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in the sticks, so um, I have a, a, a DSL connection to my house currently, and I get a whopping sort of six meg down and about eight hundred k up. So 
as far as um, jumping to a big plan with 500 gig, I doubt I'd be able to consume much of that. Yep. Um, and that said, currently with my Vodafone connection, I still have 100 gig anyhow. So right. So you've got a, you've got you've got what you need. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I could use this. I mean, I'm on telecom. Um, I'm on about 10 gigs uh, on the 10 gig plan, and I think what I'm paying about 89 dollars or something for that from memory. Yeah. Um, and they've got lower ones. I mean, this is their top one at 119. I think they've got a 200 gig plan. Uh, for ninety nine dollars, just off the top of my head. So, uh, yeah, well, this, this is basically twenty bucks more than what I'm paying combined at the moment for ten gigs. And, and I mean, if you're not doing Netflix and those sorts of things, mm. it's it's you know, it's actually quite possible to operate on on smaller amounts if you don't have a house full of downloaders. Yeah, right? which we don't. I've got mm. three kids under under seven. Yeah. Um, well, you just wait. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. you'll, you'll need more than 100 gigs, more than probably 500 gigs in a few years. But I'm running five PCs, so when it comes to automatic updates and big packages like that coming down, that, that makes a difference some mm. months, mm. you know. Um, now, other bits of uh, gadgetry. Uh, in the last few days, we've uh, come across news that uh, Pioneer, who make uh, some pretty cool DJ equipment, actually, for, uh, for any... DJs and um, budding DJs listening, um, they've announced their um, new Serato DJ mixer controller. Now, what's interesting about uh, this is it basically hangs. Um, it, it looks like a full uh, full DJ uh, kit with um, electronic uh, turntables and so on, um, but it tie, ties into um, the Serato software or Serato software. Uh, DJing uh, software, and uh, you run that on your laptop, but that comes from a New Zealand company uh, based uh, based out of the North Shore uh, of Auckland, and they've been um, blazing a trail in this uh, DJ world for, she must be uh, the better part of, of 10 years, if not more now, uh, but over the last uh, three or four years, they've really gained a huge amount of uh, traction globally and uh, you know have partnerships really with uh, a lot of the uh, if not probably all of the key um, uh, manufacturers of DJing equipment. So, uh, yeah, nice to see their, their name continuing to be uh, up in lights and uh, associated with some of the best products in, uh, in that industry around the world. I mean, you do this nearly every week, Paul. This is great to see um, New Zealand doing what it does best, getting hold of something, going for the niche, and being the best at the world at it. I mean, you know, I, I must admit, I don't know anything about this other than what I've read on on here, but when you look at the prices that they're paying, you know, charging for these. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I came, first came across. Uh, well, we came across Serato when 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 we launched uh, WorldDJ.com, which was a, a a social network and online magazine. We launched uh, about ten years ago, and I remember being in uh, Miami for the Winter Music Conference and year there with all of the top sort of music industry companies. And you're wandering around, and suddenly there's a bunch of Kiwis, mm. and uh, that was the Serato stand. And uh, you know, from from yeah, the, a, a little a little you know, they were reasonably small at that stage to yeah, a really massive uh, you know brand within uh, mm. within the music industry now globally. Mm. It's mm. Uh, you know, it's great to see, and I think we need to keep uh, you know keep encouraging you know New Zealand innovation in the in the tech space because. Uh, this is really important for New Zealand's f- uh, future from an export perspective. Absolutely. Uh, you know, sure, we, we're going to keep having tourists come here as long as we don't uh, mess up our country too much. Uh, but, you know, the tech exporting uh, is, an, is an absolute key and seeing others like, uh, uh, you know, Zero and the like uh, 
with with their uh, you know their products being explored. And there, are, there are many yep. many uh, companies uh, you know doing these things now. So um, yeah, good. Uh, definitely a pat on the back to um, to the to the team at uh, at, at Serato. So. But if you're into, into uh, DJing and so on, have a look at that. The other cool thing um, that they're doing for the first customers of this um, new product from Pioneer, it's the D- DDJ-SX uh, Serato controller, it's called. Um, they're, th- they're throwing in um, some VJing or video mixing uh, software for, um, for the first block of uh, customers, I think the first uh, 10,000 buyers. Uh, and uh, for anyone that's ever had a play around with um, VJing, it is a whole lot of fun mixing up video content and and so on. Um, something I, I did many years ago, uh, and uh, yeah, w- worth looking in and being an early customer if you're uh, if you're interested in that stuff. Uh, now, looking at something that's uh, somewhat local is uh, what uh, Fairfax have been up to. Um, yeah. Fill us in a little bit, Chris, on uh, on what you were up to. Now you're wearing a shirt here today, the uh, the Fairfax uh, Google Guide T-shirt. Yes, yeah, so and you've got a big Gmail logo on your uh, on your side and uh, um, all sorts. So uh, yeah, tell it tell us what's been happening at Fairfax and um, what you guys are, are doing with Google. Well, we've just migrated yesterday to uh, Google Apps for business. It used to be called. Um, so for any of you that out there that are Gmail users, um, you're probably pretty familiar with the services that are being offered. So um, the whole of Fairfax in New Zealand has, has transferred over to that. Um, I was in one of the positions of, of being um, transferred um, about a month ago now so that I could get ready and help others. So I spent most of yesterday wandering around the office in my blue Google Smurf T-shirt. <laughs> so, um, so what's the technology that that you had in place at Fairfax, and what's the technology that you've moved to? So, what did the, you know, what did the playing field look like from a from a tech perspective in house? You're running the sort of standard Microsoft Office and yeah. Microsoft Exchange Server type exactly. stuff, but you were running what older versions of of, of yeah, that? I mean, yeah. that tends to be people that often, you know, the first people to migrate to the cloud are those that have got dated systems and, yeah. and um, you know, it, it brings a lot more benefits than, say, someone that's running the very newer stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. And, and, you know, I was talking to the GM um, at the Waikato Times before I left this afternoon. And, and you know, the, the main reason behind it is, is cost, um, as far as Fairfax is concerned. And um, Well, you're a big business. How many Do you know how many staff Fairfax have got right across New Zealand and Australia? It's in the tens of thousands, right? I'm not sure about Australia. I think there's about 2,000 that have migrated to Gmail right. um, over this last few days. So, right, okay. Um, it's, it's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. It's a big, it is a big company. Because Fairfax represents what, quite a number of the key uh, you know, print publications in Absolutely. Australia. Newspapers, uh, magazines. PC World and, yeah. and so on here in New Zealand. So the Dominion Post, the Press, the Waikato Times, yeah, PC World. And, C- and CIO. Yeah, yeah. Computer World, Reseller News. Yeah, mm. we're in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's really... It's a big operation. It is, yeah, yeah. And so in this sort of case, moving to the, uh, you know, moving to a cloud-based, uh, you know, system, centralising uh, the technology in that way, uh, you know, definitely provides uh, quite a number of benefits, I'm sure, from a cost-saving, uh, you know, perspective yeah, to, yeah. to start with, but there must be other advantages. Well, you, that's a big driver, but of course, you know, the, there's all the things that you can do within within uh, Google Apps, co- collaboration on documents, 
and and all that sort of thing and and of course being able to access your system anywhere um saying that you know i'm I'm editorial we use citrix and and we use you know quite quite specific applications for our work which not right so those haven't those items haven't been replaced so you've still got a yeah. Log in and use those those Absolutely. you know older systems etc. So so for me and, and most of my colleagues in editorial, the main difference is is just moving from Outlook to a web based Gmail, um, but with all the stuff that comes with it, the Google apps. It seems surprising to me the choice to move to Google rather than say to a Microsoft Office three six five solution, considering the the Microsoft Exchange um, um, systems in the past. Yeah, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing Chris probably can't uh, talk talk too much about the ins and outs on the on the. Um, no, well, on I don't. The, on the I don't know anything side. about it. I haven't yeah. discussed it with anybody, but um, I'm I'm quite avid Microsoft user and, and have used various versions of Office, and I'm familiar with three six five. Um, so, and we were using we were using um, you know the Microsoft Online stuff with the with with the notes to sort of cheer them around. Mm. Um, this evening, and one of the things I've noticed with um, the the um, you know Microsoft sort of online offerings is they're moving very very quickly. Uh, and in fact, I um, uh, blogged something over the last uh, two or three days around an update that Microsoft are rolling out around their, their website of their apps that they're starting to push out now. Uh, and you know, it's a it's really a very mature sort of user experience. That uh, yeah, I think that you know the, it's it's becoming sort of accepted that there's a big difference between i guess the google and microsoft offerings and in, in terms of uh, the look and the feel is is very different isn't it whereas yeah, sure. your, your google environment's a little bit more like office from you know 2003 and and back well, type type versions in terms of the look and feel i say i've been using the 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 fairfax version if you like the work version um for about a month and and there's not a lot of difference between that and the standard free Gmail account that you guys can sign up for. Are you guys right? Because you're mostly yeah. you're mostly working in in the email side, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I'm not yeah. use, I'm not really using any of the Google Docs or any of any of the other right. stuff. Sure, I'm using the calendar and a few bits and pieces, but yeah. All so, oh right. So if someone's used Gmail, then they pretty much would know how you know how to yeah. use your your email environment. Exactly. It's yeah. not not very different. Of course, it comes up with the Fairfax logo. Um, we're all we're all um, logging in. I mean, I'm now Chris Gardner at fairfaxmedia.co.nz. Oh, yeah. But um, of course, my email has previously been Chris Gardner at WaikatoTimes.co.nz. So um, I've been can able you still have that customization exactly. if you want? I'm sure you still receive those emails. Sure, that's yeah. right. Still yeah. receive those emails and. Um, you know, I can set my account up to send as Waikato Times as, as mm. anybody that's played with Gmail knows about. But mm. uh, yeah, but that's a thi- that's some of the things that some of the, the yeah. other staff are trying to get used to and get their head around. Yeah, yeah. So okay. what was the main push for Fairfax to move towards um, the new sort of cloud offering? You're saying was it around cost? Was it or yeah, it's mainly cost. But I don't know the figures. I haven't been told those. But uh, mainly the cost. But mm. uh, also the some of the things Google's doing in the carbon footprint area and the renewable energy yeah you mentioned that, that when, when we were chatting earlier yeah. they've got some uh you know some quite impressive stats in uh, in those those regards right in terms of the it use of uh renewable energy sources 30 percent wasn't it that we saw when we looked it up hmm. which is pretty decent if you think in new zealand you know energy companies here in new zealand are at around about 40 percent renewable energy certainly um 30 percent is impressive for, for google's data centers to be at 30 percent yep i guess um yeah, well, we could delve and chat a lot about all the renewable energy stuff. We probably don't have too much time to cover that, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep moving. Well, I was just going to say, maybe the G in Google is for green. 
Maybe it is. Not your shirt wasn't green though. <laughs> um, it's a lovely Microsoft blue. <laughs> uh, now uh, Windows 8 uh, there's still a lot of action going on there we, we will uh, we will have some more coverage over the um, over the next few weeks leading up to the uh, the global launch on 26th of uh, of this month actually so when we're not too far out uh, now less than uh, less than three weeks away uh, so but w- one, one area that we did want to uh, cover we've, um, we've we've been given some feeling for price on um, Lenovo's tablet too. Now we heard that this was likely to launch in the US. Uh, it had been announced, or it's it's been a, a figure was shared with some of their uh, salespeople in the US of seven nine nine US. Uh, what's interesting is we're hearing about a um, a starting retail price in New Zealand for those at nine hundred and fifty dollars plus GST uh, here, uh, which is is pretty good. That's Usually amazing. we expect there to be a bit more of a, a bump between the US and the New Zealand prices. So. I thought that was quite good. Um, it's still, it's, I mean, we haven't had, there's nothing sort of official in writing on that, but that's what, what we're hearing of the numbers at the moment that they're uh, likely to land at. And there will be, I think, uh, probably uh, two or three models of that uh, th- that ThinkPad um, sure. uh, tablet, tablet 2 come to market. But that one uh, is quite nice in terms of the fact that it's not just the straight tablet, it comes with a stylus as as well, so um, you know, makes it um, sure. you know a bit more flexible. So is that no, is that October the twenty sixth? Uh, the delivery dates, I think, around most of the Windows eight products in New Zealand. No, no one's really no one's um, saying anything. No, are they? No, no one's sort of confirming. I think my my feeling is from the little bits of of chatter I've heard is that um, we will see some either at the twenty sixth of October or very soon after here in New Zealand. And other ones are going to sort of flow out probably over the, the four weeks following. They certainly I think say in terms of getting stock into New Zealand, and there are lots of other markets obviously that are keen to get these products. Sure. Um, you know, in some cases, yeah, we'll be towards the front of the queue. Other cases, we won't be. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm uh, expecting that. You know, the um, I mean, yeah, a number of those products will be pretty close to that launch day in terms of availability. A lot of people keep coming to me and saying. When's the Windows 8 tablets coming out? When's the Surface going to be here? Um, what are the options going to be? And I'm just having to say, well, look, nobody is really saying anything on the record. People will whisper little bits to you. Yeah, we're getting bits and pieces of information, aren't we? And I think you know, the thing we've heard about the Surface is, you know, I don't think we're expecting to see that in New Zealand on the uh, October the 26th. I don't think there's no. any New Zealand, uh, you know, launch that's been, um, you know, that, that that anyone is aware of. Uh, here at this stage, so it may be available at a later date, may be available shipped from another country, uh, but uh, don't expect to be able to, uh, you know, walk into, uh, you know, Dick Smith or JB or something mm. on uh, October 26 and, and pick up a Microsoft Surface tablet. Um, sad, the talk, isn't it? Yeah, the talk is that there will be, though, obviously sufficient tablets available pre-Christmas. So, I mean, that still gives them, what, eight weeks to... From a variety of vendors. Yeah. From your HPs, your Lenovo's, your Dell's. And also, we've we've uh, we know that uh, Microsoft have confirmed a um, a launch event for uh, Windows Phone 8 as well. So there's 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 quite a bit of uh, I guess uh, news coming from Microsoft in a fairly short space of time. Yeah. Uh, that Windows Phone 8 launch, I think we're hearing about October uh, 20, uh, 29th. in the US in the, in the US yeah. as a, as a launch yeah. event. Uh, so you know. Again, in terms of product availability here in New Zealand, I, you know, there's not going to be anything. I don't think uh, this month, uh, but the the sort of feeling we we're getting around uh, some of the other brands, and there's three big brands, I guess, that we expect to uh, probably have uh, product in New Zealand. 
you know, this year, uh, hopefully, uh, but, H- HTC, yeah. uh, you know, Samsung, and uh, and and of course uh, Nokia, yeah. uh, and you know, the I guess the the sort of word we're hearing out there is possibly um, or, or you know, reasonably good chance of November, but if not, definitely December. I'd put uh, money for, on November for, for, for product to hit uh, hit New Zealand. So yeah. we're not expecting a, a really big wait there no. uh, for those who are sort of. Um, uh, are really interested to see what what comes through with some of these products, yeah. and and they're looking very good. I mean, we've got uh, you know Samsung, their Galaxy S3 will be sort of reincarnated in a way with uh, with Windows Phone 8 with the uh, uh, 8 of uh, uh, S, and you know we've got some very nice uh, HTC and, and and Nokia offerings as well there. So it, it's going to be uh, good to see a, uh, you know a bit more competition there in the, in the sure. smartphone space it's going to be really interesting to see out of those three brands which one is going to be king um nokia 920 certainly is still right up there as far as a good handset it, it certainly looks in terms of you know specs and that the the camera uh videos and so on that have been online to be the one that you know you can put it up against you know all the rest of the the top phones from you know apple and and, and samsung and the like and very competes very very strongly but the other ones don't really look as though they're they're um, you know they're too different. Yeah. Other yeah, than you know, yeah. there's, each one's got its specific thing of oh that's going to be a little bit better in those regards, or oh that's a little bit lighter, or oh that one's got a slightly better battery life. Yeah. Um, so the nine twenty with the Nokia nine twenty with mm. its wi- wireless charging. Um, that's kind of cool, isn't it? It just looks absolutely amazing. I mean, we're, we're sort of getting into sort of Star Trek here, really, with this sort of technology. And um, I mean, I always say that Gene Roddenberry invented the iPad. It wasn't Steve Jobs. You know, 1960, what was it, 1967? They're walking around the bridge of the Enterprise with an iPad under their arm. It looks a bit different, but it's pretty much the same tool. Um, and certainly tricorders are smartphones, aren't they? Well, exactly. They're just, just a bit of decent kit with some decent apps on them. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I really do think Nokia's at the top of my Christmas list um, for for... for for just coolness, yeah. And, well, and I, I, I mean, but from what we're hearing, um, their product's going to be available before Christmas. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, I could be lucky. <laughs> well, we've got a couple of the iPhone fives uh, here um, that we, we've been having a bit of a, a bit of a play around with, actually. And uh, you know, it's just it's great to, to see so much new stuff coming through in a reasonably short space of time. And uh, you know one of the one of the top products is here on the Android space has been the HTC One X. Yeah. And we've just heard in the last week that uh, HTC are going to be releasing a new version of that, the One X uh, Plus, that just bumps that up to the next level in specifications. Bigger battery, which was probably the main area where where people have complained about that one. Um, so you know it's it's pretty constant the uh, the innovation and the and the competition sort of coming yeah, through sure. right in the in the mobile space. I found it quite interesting to look at the iPhone five you had here because I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago um, comparing the what was then the specs online that I could see to to the to the Nokia nine twenty and Nokia nine twenty one hands down. I mean I've got a Nokia eight hundred here and I just put it alongside the iPhone five and um, the eight hundred which is you know now pretty much last year's tech mm. beats beats apple's latest hands down when you look at it side by side it's um it's just as thin um the screen's pretty much a similar size that the, the iphone's a little bit bigger but not much and it's running ios 5 
and they've got problems with their apps, with their maps, map apps, for example. OS 6. OS 6, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. iPhone 5, Well, I, I mean, 6. I think what, what yeah. you get into here is now, that, you know, it really does come down to, you know, a, a personal preference type sure. thing, and you can line it up, and, you know, each one definitely has their things. Uh, you know, some are going to be a little bit better in a business situation, some are going to be better for uh, running games, uh, some are better if you kind of are a bit of a, a, a tech head and you want to load your own operating system variations onto them, you know, namely Android in that case, for instance. Uh, but, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a great time to be a technology user because yeah. uh, these guys are all, are all fighting it out and, uh, and each of them is, is trying to one-up uh, one the other vendor. What I would add to that is that some are just so much darn easier and simpler to use for everybody. And, you know, none of the other platforms apart from the Windows phone has got Office built into it. So if you're using Word or Excel or OneNote on a frequent basis, sure, you can get a OneNote app for the iPad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it just comes as bog standard on the Windows phone. Sure. I mean, Documents to Go is a, is a good application and, and suffices certainly on both the Android and, and iPhone platforms. But I think it comes back to this discussion around ecosystems. If you are... And I know, I know it sounds cliche, but if you are in the space where you have an, an, um, a, an I, um, iPod as well as your iPhone and your I, um, iPad, it sort of it gives you that whole iCloud integration if you want to do your backups and content syncing and everything there. Okay, so I've got a question. Most computer users in the world today use Windows, right? So now with what's happening with a Windows 8 launch, uh, Windows Phone looking as though it's going to get a lot, you know, a fair bit more attention, is this going to be enough to move Windows Phone, which at the moment is a very distant, you know, last, pl- you know, last sort of sure player, is. certainly yeah. against uh, you know Android and uh, and and iPhone or iOS. It's uh, about five percent, I think, the last yeah, figures do, I saw. Do, mm. Yeah, I mean, you guys have, have used all of the platforms. You know, what do you think it's going to take? Is this Windows 8 launch going to be the the thing that? Uh, that helps put some, uh, you know, wind in the sails of, oh. of, of Windows Phone, or do you uh, think it's going to continue to lag? Microsoft is certainly hoping so, isn't it? But, um, you know, it should do. It should really do. You think 90%, and that figure might be a little bit high, but it's not too far off. If you think 90% of the world's computers are running Windows, um, I think about 30% of those are Windows 7. Um, There's a new Office um, 365 subscription available for home users as well which includes the whole office suite for your machine and, and all your online email. And for me, that's the, the biggest benefit with my Windows phone is the integration with Office 365 and auto discovery and, and all the niceness that kind of comes with that. Um, and perhaps that's what Windows 8 is going to start giving us is this integration into um, cloud-based email and calendaring sure. and everything else. I mean, David and I do the occasional Laurel and Hardy routine at um, SeniorNet and um, we must be all right because they keep inviting us back. But, you know, we demoed a beta, ver- well, not, you know, we call it beta version of Windows 8, an early version of it, and showed them some of the collaboration tools that were, you know, built into that and SkyDrive, things that you and I and the, a lot of our listeners probably take for granted because they're tech savvy. But, you know, these guys just weren't aware um, uh, of, of all the tools that are there and the features that are there. And a lot of those functionalities have been available for, you know, for some time yeah. using various uh, platforms or apps and so on. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I guess, uh, you know, the, the launch of Windows 8 brings that to a more mainstream audience that might not, you know, play around with Dropbox and some of the other tools quite it so much. It puts it in your face. Yeah. It does yeah. put it right in front of you and it, it sort of challenges you to use it and trust it and give it a go. Mm. Um, so... 
it seems it seems that a lot of people involved in in the sort of the the tech journalism and so on in New Zealand are using uh, Windows phones. I think probably more than in any other you know country that I I notice around sure. the place. Have uh, have Microsoft and and some of the brands done a you know have they done a good job of uh, of of representing their their products here? They have. They have, but they certainly have to the journalists. Whether they've done a good job representing to the marketplace is another thing. Um, but it seems to certainly get uh, you know get you guys across the line. Sure, but you know, um, fairly recently, um, when the Nokia eight hundred and the well the nine hundred didn't launch in New Zealand, but you know they really teleco- they really got telecom on board with that. And when you walked into a telecom store during that launch. There was those big boxes with the with all the live tiles flashing. Well, they're not flashing because it was a static display, but mm. you know you could see the benefits of the operating system. Um, you see, I don't know if you guys get this, but my sister-in-law, for example, she's an occupational therapist, and she's been going on and on about I want an iPad. When you actually sit down and put an iPad in front of her, she says, "Is this an iPad?" And then she says, "What's the difference between this and and Android?" and you know, the market, the general market, the, the average Joe is not educated as to what something is. It's kind of like we're a bit earlier before the show, we were talking about my wife doing the hoovering. She's not using a hoover. She's vacuuming and she's using an Electrolux, you know. Um, people use these and that's a good, that's good, good marketing for Apple. You know, people talk about iPads and iPhones and often that's not what they mean. They mean and a it, smartphone. They or mean a, a smartphone or a tablet, and they don't really know what they want it for, and, and, and they probably don't really care either. They just want one because it's it's cool and trendy. Yeah. They want to surf, and that's about it. And if you put a Samsung something or other in front of them instead of an iPad and said, "How's this? Does this do what you want it to do?" or one of the new Windows tablets, the uh, the Surface, I bet you know. 90% of the people will be happy. They're consumers, right? And these are cons- consumption devices. They just want something that works and that works easily. So long as it's and good. I, yeah. yeah, but I think if you if you checked with our listeners who are who are enthusiasts about technology, they'll be very passionate about a brand. what what the product is that they use. And, you know, I think people will align themselves with it, with a brand. And some people will move around a little bit as they thought, well, actually, this one has got better now. Yeah. Uh, and most of the people that, for instance, are... Uh, yeah, are using a Windows phone, have probably used some other smartphone, you know, in the past, sure. or else they're they're new buyers, and that's been one of its challenges with uh, with getting any sort of uh, you know big market share. People are already settled on Android or iPhone. Uh, what you know, they don't want to look at something else. And as David alluded to, in terms of uh, ecosystems, where they're bought into one or another, and uh, you know they're not ready to change. So. Well, let, anyway, we'll keep a bit of a watch on this space, and we'll report back more as uh, as we as we get more info. But uh, the good news is we expect to see you know a bunch of new devices in in this space. Uh, iPhone uh, five suppliers are going to open up as well over the next uh, little while. Um, uh, they're still yeah reasonably as rare as hen's teeth unless you're uh, willing to sign a new contract at at the moment. Uh, but uh, yeah, good good to see lots of new stuff coming through, and a bunch of new stuff on the Android yeah. front. Uh, we're seeing a lot of these sort of low end handsets coming through around two hundred dollar price point. Uh, been playing around actually with one from uh, Vodafone. They've got their own branded one, one hundred ninety nine dollars. That's the smart. Uh, the yeah, what do they call the it? Vodafone Smart Two or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the one. Um, yeah, I've had a play with that. I'm quite impressed with that for the price. Yeah, that's it. I can see it. Yeah, yeah that's smart, the one. smart too. So, um, yeah, that, that's one of the options. But it's worth having a look around because there are actually 
uh, probably three or four around this sort of price point or within 20 or $30. The, re- and, the and reason why that price point is so good as well is because of most business contracts or um, contract plans, you get rebated by the value of one of these phones. So you're seeing that Vodafone now can actually give away the hardware to people which falls inside their rebate price, which you know is really big for getting people off old handsets onto modern smartphones. Is this going to hurt um, Apple over time? Because their lowest end one is the old iPhone four coming in at uh, f- you know five nine nine price point. Now that's a, you know two year old handset. It could well um, do for people like my sister in law that just say I want an I want an iPhone, but she means I want a smartphone. Mm, What's mm, out there? Mm, mm. You know, um, yeah, people that are on a budget that 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 have got something old and something out of date. Um, yeah, I mean, Android's quite interesting and and. It's another little pet rant of mine, really, that, you know, you never really know what you're going to get with an Android phone. Um, and well, certainly I those think if you, do, if you do your research and you're a exactly. tech enthusiast, you will know exactly what you're going to get and exactly. what those benefits are. Exactly. Uh, but I'm talking from the Joe, Joe Public's perspective. They see Android, they see smartphone, and they go, ooh, that must be... You know, it well, must be all right. <laughs> well, I think we've had our share of disappointing ha- yeah. uh, Android handsets at that sort of sub two hundred dollar price point, yep. where uh, they didn't have uh, capacitive um, resistive t- t- touch, touch screens. They had yeah. the re- resistive touch screens that were very very poor. Uh, but you know, for for um, people who were just getting their first go of a smartphone. Uh, at that sort of price point, you know, there, it was still well. What else could you get for that price? Well, yeah. you'd get a, a very plain phone. Uh, but certainly, the, I guess there's been a few people that have been burnt by that and don't want to go back to Android because they've had that bad experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I mean, even even now, I had uh, an email forwarded on to me um, by by uh, one of one of the guys in my office who um, you know they'd been having a bit of a debate around all the new s- smartphones and someone had got a Windows Five and you know he was giving his comments. Somebody else had jumped onto the had uh, ditched his his iPhone and gone to a Galaxy S3. Uh, and someone else was talking about their Windows Phone experience, and and they were all there. It was a bit of a mixed bag, actually, in terms of responses. The guy that had been using the the Galaxy S3 actually said after a week that uh, he 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 didn't like it at all, and you know didn't find it at a consistent experience from app to app how you did certain things. Uh, but you know, I would say most people that have that have jumped in and got a Galaxy S3, you know, really really love it. Yeah, sure. Um, so, but it's probably uh, more suitable to a more uh, tech, tech technical yeah, tech tech yeah, savvy yeah. Uh, user yeah. uh, than you know some of the other products uh, which which are a little bit uh, simpler and are probably yeah, a bit more consistent in some areas. I'd love to see what the use cases for smartphones actually are. I mean, I know it's kind of a bit of a geeky discussion, but you know whether most users would end up just using them perhaps for email and calendaring, and if they use them for calendaring, whether they you know send events or meeting requests to friends as well. Because you don't really need all the bling of a Galaxy Three or an iPhone Five to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. But we don't all need the uh, the bling of the uh, best and, and and newest car, right? But uh, you know there are many many thousands of new cars that are sold uh, in New Zealand each year. So I mean there are other reasons for uh, for having these things, sure. Other than that, other than just need, right? And that's a really good comparison because you know certainly when you get to the top end of the market, when we're talking about the Galaxy phones the top Windows phones, the Nokia 920s, and the iPhone 5 perhaps, um, you really are just talking about what brand of vehicle do you prefer, Holden or Ford or something else. That's right. It's not like we're talking about specific Aston Martins or exclusive (laughs) hard-to-get cars. But once you pick, as Chris says, there's there's that element of, well, this this is what I'm into, and yeah, you, you get those sort of, you know, 
uh, Ford versus Holden type, um, you know, type <laughs> debates. And I don't think that's ever anything we could ever settle on on no. on a podcast. Although it might be fun to have a go at that at some stage, um, and to uh, and to have a have a real battle. Uh, well, but but yeah, I don't think those those are things that will you know will will ever be solved because there's just there's there's so much uh, personal taste and, and and preference that's in that. Picture. Well, that even harks back to desktop, right? Whether it's Linux or Mac OS or whether it's Windows, it's that same religious debate for years. It is an ideology, isn't it? Mm. Uh, <laughs> now, one uh, one uh, a couple more things before we uh, before we uh, wrap up. Uh, that last week we looked at um, HP's uh, NVX2, which is their new tablet sort of convertible uh, laptop thing. Very a bit hard to sort of box that up, but a very very cool little uh, gadget. Um, we used that uh, that time also to shoot our first uh, proper video here for the NZ Tech podcast. Yeah, I was taking a look at that a bit earlier. Yeah, so um, if anyone wants to have a look, if you uh, head along to the NZ Tech podcast site, uh, there is a um, it's up there uh, on uh, there's a there's a YouTube uh, clip. Uh, so uh, then you can actually see something that we've been playing around with, and um, it's. Um, you can also see us uh, sitting around in the um, in the office uh, slash uh, studio here. So uh, it's the first time we've given a bit of a sneak peek into uh, in, into the into the space. It removes a bit of the mystery, doesn't it? I know, I know. It's it's it's. You're terrible. going to be mobbed on the streets now. You do know that, don't you? <laughs> I do love the level of professionalism in the video, mind you, and the cuts and all the special um, videography techniques. It makes it a really enjoyable viewing. Great. Oh, I'm pleased, pleased to hear that feedback, and I'm sure the uh, the team will be as well because they put a lot of effort to put that together. It, it, um, I mean, this in a nice way, but it's kind of tech porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's all soft focused. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it, this is our very first one, so we're really getting to grips and learning how to do it. We want to get the right sort of balance yeah. of, um, you know, just being easy to just to watch and and learn a little bit about the product, hear a bit of chit chat. Uh, there wasn't too much sort of tech info in there in terms of specifications and so on. Um, so we'd love to hear any feedback on that, actually. If anyone wants to drop us a line, feedback at nztechpodcast.com. You know, any, any feedback about the podcast, but especially around the video. And one of those bits of feedback we're after in particular is um, as part of your podcast download through iTunes, etc., if you subscribe to the podcast, would you like to have those videos just come down as part of your subscription or would you like us to split those off and just distribute those separately, which is what we've done this time round? Uh, but you know, it might be a little bit easier if we just throw it in the stream. But we also don't want to upset, uh, you know, listeners that they've got a 500 meg video download and uh, uh, that you know that, that's taken them by surprise. <laughs> so, I mean, to avoid that, we would probably uh, minimise the the resolution of what would go what would go up for you know for download. Oh. And uh, we'll keep the length reasonably short. You could just suggest they sign up for the new 500 gigabyte plan with Telecom you as know, well. That was exactly what oh, I was I'm thinking. I'm sure Telecom would be very, very <laughs> pleased for that little bit of advertorial in there. But uh, I, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, do do pass back any feedback. And and this one does come across. It's it, it's quite um, you know it's quite a um, it looks almost like an advert for uh, for HP. So I think they'll be pleased with that. Wasn't quite the intention, but you know, as I say, we'll we'll get to grips with how to get the format right and how you know how to cover off the products. Uh, but I mean, actually, that that was one of the nicest products that we've had uh, we've had here to play with. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one actually coming uh, yeah. coming to market, which which is why uh, you know we thought, oh, this is a really cool one to do a video of. So do do take a look at that and uh, and yeah. with your feedback. I must say, I'm quite jealous because I saw some of those uh, products in in Shanghai um, earlier in the year. So. Um, I'm really excited that now in 
sort of pretty close to the market. Did they? It's not too far away, is it? No, no. We're expecting that one. Uh, I don't think they've announced a formal date, but probably late November we'll mm. see that one come to market. Uh, and of course, we've got you know the the Lenovo we were chatting about earlier, uh, Acer. Uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of stuff still coming coming through. So I think there'll be plenty of choice for uh, you know for for us here locally. We're not going to miss out on too much. Uh, you know, it's probably the yeah the US market usually gets the the, the you know the best of the best in terms of options. And uh, you know, it's the, uh, the 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 Microsoft Surface is probably the main one. Uh, that uh, people might be frustrated that it's not going to be, uh, you know, not going to be available, not going to be available mm. uh, at least immediately here through, through usual channels. But uh, no doubt there'll be some uh, some people will be, you know, working some alternative sure. options for that. that. That's on my Christmas list too. And of course, there's the difference between the RT and the the other model, which isn't coming until later this, in the year. The Surface anyway. Pro, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's going to be a fun space. We're certainly going to be uh, getting our hands on pretty much everything that comes to market. So uh, we, we will be able to get plenty of feedback of, of hands on. Uh, now, two other, uh, two, three other bits actually before we finish off. Uh, any of our listeners who are uh, developers, and I know there are uh, quite a few of you out there because actually um, I bump into a few of you from time to time. And uh, this week it was the guys at uh, Market Metro, and uh, I was in, in there to pick up. Um, to pick up something and uh, and I heard they listen in so um, thanks guys for uh, listening in um, and the product that the thing I wanted to mention is a new website uh, called webplatform.org that's just launched and uh, it's basically f- uh, for developers who are um, you know producing websites and uh, uh, you know web web based uh, apps and uh, what's unusual about this is it's been launched by uh, a lot of the tech industry's arch rivals. Uh, so we've got Apple, Adobe, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, uh, and 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 a few others that have actually come together to um, to put this this content online and build this community. So, yeah, quite quite interesting. But it's it's um, it's pleasing to see that uh, that these rivals can uh, can work together for the uh, for the greater good. It was great to see the W three consortium on board there as well. You know, as if there's some sort of benevolent organisation also involved. Yes, yes. Um, now, PlayStation, uh, we mentioned this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, that their uh, super slim uh, PS3 is available. I can't remember whether we actually com- confirmed these details earlier on, so I thought I would just mention it again, um, and hopefully this one's still going, but JB Hi-Fi were doing a, a bundle with the new uh, PS3, the 500 gig one, for uh, $444. Uh, so that's the new model, which I think re- the full retail on it's around 500 uh, but it's that with a couple of controllers, and um, there was a game thrown in of which I've uh, I've forgotten which one it was. Uh, and last topic for the night is um, uh, an Xbox uh, news story that uh, that came through. I, I saw on a, about it on a US site uh, over the weekend, and uh, this is um, a guy who's um, managed to link his Xbox Live uh, system up to some traffic lights. And uh, a couple of things made this stand out. One, just it's super geeky and super cool. Uh, and two, it was a um, it was a Kiwi guy that had done this um, using um, uh, some Arduino um, Arduino system uh, that was hooked up to his Xbox Live account. And basically, if he had uh, uh, a couple or more friends online, then uh, the traffic lights would flash up as green as "Hey, it's time to game. Your mates are online." Uh, if there was one friend online, it would come up orange. If there was no uh, friends online, then it would come up uh, red. Uh, so kind of 
super uh, geeky uh, cool. So uh, thought that was that was definitely worth the mention. Um, <laughs> now I don't know the name of the guy behind this. All I've had was uh, Andrew F. Uh, so uh, Andrew, if you're uh, if you're listening in, then um, hey, congrats on uh, coming up with something that's got picked up um, and uh, and and covered all around the world because uh, we think that's pretty cool too. Uh, are you guys going to be uh, setting up uh, some traffic lights for your uh, for your gaming at home, or are you not quite so um, um, crazy with that um, stuff? Have you met our wives and our three kids each? So six kids between us. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we don't game, do we, Dave? Well, I mean, but uh, maybe you could have these traffic lights <laughs> wired up in a different way. Well, we so could, you know, at times it'll it'll, it'll come up to say, "Hey, it's gaming time. Everything else stops, so the red light can come on when it's time to game. That nobody bothers you, so you can have some time well, for gaming." There is a company in Hamilton called Net Value, um, and they're a, a software development company. And as part of their automated build process, they actually have some traffic lights which sit in their office. So when um, the build breaks, you see the light go red, um, and when it's in the process of doing build, you see it go orange. And when, of course, the build successful and compile works you see a wonderful green light so love it love it yeah i mean it did make me wonder where his real friends were uh. <laughs> and what, what sort of system he has for them <laughs> now, when, I, when i was at university i used to spend a lot of time on irc um, with friends of mine in the states and so of course time zones were always a little bit sort of spurious as to whether it'd be online or not yeah so i wrote a little script that plugged into my irc client which would play all sorts of random sounds you know at, at maximum volume through my computer so i'd know who'd signed in and and i guess that was a premature sort of version of of you know lights just very you know. geeky very geeky you win the you definitely win the uh you know propeller head uh yeah, award uh, on this episode for i've that got one. no claims to fame like that but i can say that Back in the 80s, I, I did sort of help create the the updated version of the Doomsday Book by putting data into a, a BBC microcomputer at, at middle school that we collected out on farms and things of how many sheep and cows and people lived in each place. So that was one of my early sort of wow. brushes with so computers. So where's that data now, do you think? Well, it's online. I have seen it somewhere. Wow. Okay. Um, but obviously just for my school, every, you know, every school in Britain took part in this Doomsday project um, for those who aren't familiar the doomsday basically is the british version of, of a census um well it was the first census. that's right yeah william the conqueror when he conquered britain set up the doomsday book and and recorded everything that was in the country that he just conquered um and so this this uh that was te- uh, 1066 and um what had been 1986 then the, on the 900th anniversary no um, that, that maths don't work there, do they? But one of the anniversaries. Yeah, somewhere <laughs> along the way. Yeah. I'm not a mathematician, I'm a wordsmith. <laughs> uh, of course, it ties in quite nicely to next year's census 2013, which has been delayed because of the Canterbury earthquake. Um, and some of the figures are talking about the collection of um, census um, census forms this year electronically will be very, very interesting to see. Yeah. Who, do, who does them online versus the number of collectors picking up forms. Yeah, it's great to see that that moving forward that we're not completely stuck in the, uh, you know, the, the backward ways. It's, you know, sometimes we are stuck in strange ways here in New Zealand. But, you know, I guess when, uh, when you look at things like uh, some of the electronic, uh, you know, voting stuff we've seen in, in the US, for instance, where they've had... Uh, numerous issues we'll just we'll just leave it at that with uh you know systems not working very well and and having security issues and the like uh yeah it's good they've got uh, obviously happy that some of the stuff's reasonably well lined out and uh it's gonna you know gonna be used for the um uh the census so i think they've been using technology for census you know for a number of years uh but um yeah this, i guess this is uh, pushing it forward further so yeah mm. 
Well, I think that probably uh, wraps us up for this week. So, um, hey, thank you both for uh, for joining us here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Um, now, Chris, where do we find you online? What's your uh, What's your Twitter handle? I'm at Chris Gardner, which is C H R I S G A R D N E R N Z. Excellent. And uh, uh, David. Yes, yeah, so I'm a nice easy one, David Hallett. Um, is my Twitter handle. That's Hallett with two L's and two T's. Excellent. Uh, and we can find uh, we can find uh, writing from you guys online at uh, ykatotimes.co.nz. You is that right? can, and it gets syndicated all around the place. So sometimes you'll see us on stuff. And just the other week, I was on the Age in Australia. So yeah. who knows where you'll find me? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, all right. Well, um, well, thanks, guys. It's been uh, it's been good to have you back on the back on the show. Um, we'll look forward to uh, to the next time. Uh, anyone that wants to uh, keep keep in touch uh, with me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is, is also uh, just my name, so that's Paul Spain. Uh, and you can find uh, the NZ Tech Podcast online at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, NZ Tech Podcast, and uh, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll catch you next week. See ya. See ya. <laughs>